Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less. This is a podcast about the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. My name is Max McCauley and I am joined as always by my co-host. His name is David Nash. David, how you doing? I'm doing good, Max. It's been a while. How have you been? Uh, good. Yeah, it has been a little while. We took last week off. I was out of town and I got sick and I'm sick now, but I'm going to sh- trooper on here, David. This is my Michael Jordan flu game. <laughs> yep, you're going to push through for us given we missed last week and uh, we're back with a mailbag, which we always love doing. So hope it won't be too much of a stretch for you to push through these because we, we normally love doing them. Yeah, as I said last time, I think we did one of these. I love when the listeners do our job for us. <laughs> uh, they always give us great questions too and make us think, which we love. Yep. Uh, so we're going to do that. It's going to be mostly about uh, current team, but a little bit, I would say mostly about like kind of how we're going to build this team in the future is kind of how the questions shook out. So that'll be fun. And then we're going to do a little general NBA as we like to do, David. We're going to do all-star stuff. We are. The voting has kind of been all across my timeline for the last couple of weeks. It's coming to a close pretty soon. And and early next month, there'll be the draft, which they're going to televise this time. So we're going to do our own uh, little mock scenario of uh, playing team captains, Max. Yeah, thank God they're televising it this time, because it's just ridiculous how they had this thing and didn't televise it. It just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, they've learned their lesson from the first year, which is good to see. Yep, so we're not only going to do that, we're also going to have a little bit of a debate about uh, who the last few All-Stars should be. We're going to make our All-Star teams and kind of figure out the fringes, because there are some interesting questions on the fringes this year. It's going to be a kind of a tough decision, I think, for the voters. For sure. Cool, but before we do that, David, as always, how about you recap the last few games? I'll be really quick with this, but it has been a couple of weeks since we recorded, Max. So since I believe it was a loss to the Clippers, loss to the Hornets, uh, that very big comeback win over the Kings, uh, loss to Dallas, another win versus the Nuggets, and then three losses to Indiana, which was a blowout. Toronto was a close one, and we just finished watching the second Charlotte loss since we last recorded, Max. So uh, that one we can skip over pretty quickly, and I'm uh, glad we're doing a mailbag instead for this episode. But that brings us to 11-36, and 36, I believe, overall, which is last in the division, 12 and a half games behind Sacramento as of right now, Max. Last in the conference, just nine games behind Memphis who are sliding. So maybe that might be someone we can catch up on for the rest of the year. Uh, And I believe we're equal 27th in the NBA, just two games ahead of that last spot in the league. So that's our recap since we last recorded from a games perspective. And then there's just a little bit of news, Max, since we last recorded. So uh, all comes down to to dates since we did our last episode in the first week of January. So we saw Eric Morland get waived and, and Holmes's contract get finally guaranteed when Jan 10 rolled around. And 
Then Jan 15 rolled around, and that's when the two two ways that we currently have in King and Evans are essentially guaranteed for the rest of the year because you can't sign any new two ways after that, Max. And Quincy Acey got his second 10-day contract. And just wanted to note there, if he gets to a third, Max, it can't be a 10-day. It has to be a deal for the rest of the season. So that'll be something to watch for next week. What do you think they're going to do? I, I think they'll probably just do it. I, I like what he's bringing. He's a nice, uh, you know, he's a good character guy to have around. Seems like another good, you know, energy character leader type guy to have around. Uh, they still have one extra spot on the roster, I believe, as well. So it's not going to totally kill their flexibility to keep AC around. So, yeah, I think that means that he's he's going to hang around, Max. But, you know, we see these guys just take the 10 days until they can't take them anymore because, you know, injuries and things that the franchise basically protect themselves against. All right, let's get on to our mailbag questions. So we sort of separated these into four different categories. We have TJ Warren questions, point guard questions, power forward questions, and rest of the season questions. Yep. And then I guess we have a little fifth one at the end, some rapid fire fun questions. But we're going to start with the TJ questions, Dave. I'm going to read the first two of these together because they're similar. Okay. First one's from Tim at Chuck Shots. Is TJ still on the Suns for the deadline? Is trading him before the deadline better to maximize his value than it will be during the off season? Next, I have at trying to not KMS. What do you think we could get for Warren, David? What do you think on this one? Uh, well, I'd just say overall, it's really interesting. I think a lot of Suns fans' questions have the uh, you know same questions for the team right now, so that's why we're able to section it out in kind of four parts, and then we always get some fun ones, Max. But mm. uh, in terms of TJ. I think his value around the league is is probably pretty low, Max. It's a really hard one to gauge, but I think Suns fans' uh, opinion of him in general is probably a little higher than how NBA GMs around the league would view TJ. And, you know, my main question here, Max, probably which I'll throw at you is, you know, would you get a first round pick for TJ just, you know, one for one, basically? I have no idea, David. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna, just gonna answer that uh, I have no idea answer. I have a I have a little thing here prepared of why TJ Warren is impossible to value. Yep. I I I'll throw in I don't think you'd get a first round pick for him, but go on. Let let me hear. I it. think that's probably right, but so here's why it's so hard. There in my in my view, there are three ways we value NBA players. Mm-hmm. Generally, one is kind of chatter around the league about what what people are valuing, right? You, there's rumor talking that happens all the time. Yep. Not with TJ Warren. There's none of that. That's <laughs> we true. Never anything about what TJ Warren valued? And second, comparison to similar players. Problem there. There are no similar players to TJ Warren. Yep. He's like a, a one of a kind, six foot eight guy. Who all he can do is score and, and shoot. He can't pass or play defense. Like there's no one like him in the league, really. So it's very hard to say, oh, that guy is like TJ and he got that contract. What would TJ get? There's like, that doesn't really exist. Yeah, not not in a LeBron way either where, they, where he's one of a kind and there's no one in, with, like him in the league. Unfortunately, this is a, a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, exactly. It's not in a one of a kind MVP. It's a one of a kind, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> uh, and then the third one is contract value. And it's so hard to gauge whether teams would like his contract because it's probably goodish value around that it fluctuates from 10 to 12 million a year, mm-hmm. but it's sort of long and teams tend to overvalue their cap space and probably think they can do better than that. Like with them, you know, if you, if you trade for Matt, TJ Warren, you're, you're kind of compromising your max cap space down the line. So it's just, it's just almost impossible for me to gauge 
what any team would give for TJ Warren. And, and another thing I'll say is probably depends on the team entirely. Yeah, exactly. I, I did a quick look around the league for some fringe playoff teams that might need a scorer, you know, maybe if they get an injury or two. And, you know, there there are a few teams where I was intrigued by the possibility. But again, you just have no idea whether they would be interested in a player like TJ Warren or if, you know, they'd be willing to give up anything of value to take on that kind of long-term deal. As good as the money is for the, you know, points production that he gives, you know, there's a few negatives to his game as well, which would make some teams apprehensive. All of that, you know, said and done, essentially it's not a, a hot take or, you know, a great answer for the listeners, but I kind of, I view him as neutral value essentially he's kind of neutral salary Mm -hmm. that maybe you'd put in a larger deal where a team would be fine taking him on because it's not you know negative salary or anything like that but overall to answer the questions I I don't think you're getting a hell of a lot for TJ in in any sort of straight swap max I think it's really hard for Suns fans to hear that and sort of agree with it because what TJ does well he does so well Yep. Like, he scores very efficiently, uh, 20 points a game. He can shoot threes now. Like, people look at this like, what the hell? This guy's amazing. Like, how do you not value this guy higher? It's because the things he doesn't do are just, they're so team damaging. And I think that's what we're going to get into next on the next question. So I might just roll into it. Go for it. This one's from Skyfall at Polarfall on Twitter, who, by the way, if you're not following this guy, you have to. He's maybe the most insightful guy on all of Twitter. He's one of our favorites, definitely. He's fantastic. Uh, he asks, how do you think and anticipate about the Booker, Aiton, Warren trio as far as their on-court defensive organization? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there, there needs to be a, a pause for uh, effect there on that question because uh, yeah. the answer is uh, not great. You know, we've discussed it for pretty much all season, Max, and and you and I are pretty much on the same page with what we should do with TJ, which I'll get to in a minute. But Booker, at best, is going to be an average defender. You, Aiton is a rookie. You're hoping he's going to really reach his potential ceiling as a shot blocker and and kind of defensive anchor for this team. But right here, right now, and, and projecting forward with those other two guys, it's just really hard to see how the Suns can... You know, put a good defensive starting unit together if TJ's on the floor as well. I can understand why they're playing him for that kind of third string offensive option at the moment, especially when there's two other rookies currently starting on the team. But, you know, if you look at Melton and Bridges and you're kind of thinking about how you, you build around your one two combo in. Aiton and Booker, I just don't think TJ's the right guy to have there on the wing from a defense perspective. What about what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with that. Uh, TJ, like we said, he has a lot of ability. He's a great scorer mm-hmm. uh, for himself. But when he's not scoring, he's really not doing anything. I guess now he's spreading the floor a little bit because he can shoot, which is nice. But yep. he's, other than that, like, man, and also he's so lethargic out there. It just kind of when he's not scoring, it drags the rest of the team down. It really does. Um, it's it's kind of hard to see him out there. I think he's responsible for a lot of the problems with that starting unit, and it's really not his fault. It's just he's not the kind of player that you like you said that you want next to Booker and Aiton. I think he's much more well suited to be a you know six man. Uh, you build sort of like a he needs to be the primary option scoring because he doesn't do anything else. So you need to build a six man unit around him and put uh, defenders sort of the way you build around Booker and Aiton. You need to do that, you know, a lesser version of that around him uh, in the backup unit. Yep, exactly. And I know, you know, Polar's question was very much uh, dedicated towards the defensive side, but both things are uh, in play here, Max. And, you know, that's a, 
a pretty good segue, I think, to finish this kind of discussion on TJ out, and that's whether you you know look to to change the starting lineup. I think now's the time. I'm very apprehensive and worried that they're not going to do it for various reasons. But you know, if it were me to play this season out and and get you know something out of the rest of the season, I think on everything that we've discussed around you know there not really being much value around the league for TJ. And him still having a pretty decent contract as far as the Suns are concerned, you need to see what that's going to look like going forward. So you need to move him to the second unit for all of those reasons that we've discussed. And you kind of need to see whether he takes to it. If he sulks, then maybe you do really need to push to get him off the team entirely. Uh, if he you know, shows that he's willing to do it, just like he showed in the offseason he was willing to improve his three-point shot, then all of a sudden you, you've got something. So you know, I've been pushing for this for a while, but I think the Suns need to start Kelly Oubre. Uh, that would be the one change to the starting lineup that I would make right here, right now. Uh, I think there will be a change to the starting lineup. Uh, I'm worried just having watched this uh, Charlotte Hornets game and, and Melton not start the second half, I, I'm worried he's going to be the fall guy here for maybe a change up in the lineup. But I'd be taking Warren out and putting Oubre in, um, and that would be how I would mix things up for the rest of the season. How about you, Max? Uh, very much agree with that. I think it's exactly what you need to do. And I, I want to touch on the point where TJ might sulk or not accept it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that at all. Like if I'm if I'm TJ Warren, I don't want to play with Booker at all. Like <laughs> those people play very well together, in yeah. my opinion. And Booker kind of dominates the ball. If I'm TJ, I would love to run the second unit by myself. Like that's kind of what he should be doing. Yeah, and give him a couple guys with him who kind of compliment him a little bit. Put him out there with Troy Daniels, guys around him, and like just let him go to work. That's what he's meant to do. I, I'm not really sure why TJ would care so much about being a you know a, a starter. Like who gives a shit if you're a starter on this terrible team? Like it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, exactly. And we we don't know Max. Like I'm just guessing that or or saying you you kind of mm. need to find out. But you're right. We don't know. Maybe he he would prefer to be uh, in that second unit where everything runs through him and he can take kind of as many shots as he wants. So that's an interesting thing going forward. You know, in terms of Kelly versus TJ in isolation, you're probably not going to get much more out of Kelly in terms of kind of box score stat production. You know, I looked at their per 36 uh, for the season just with the Sun, so eliminating Kelly's Washington minutes. And, you know, you get a slight dip in points per game. Kelly's around 19, whereas uh, Warren's up around the 21. You'd get probably one rebound more per game playing Kelly. Assists, they're both pretty limited there, 1.7 versus 1.8. Steals, 1.4 versus 1.3. And, and Kelly's maybe going to get you a half a block more over 36 minutes. And the, the real dip would obviously be in, in percentages. TJ's a lot more efficient. But you know what the box score doesn't show and why I really want to test it out is... The, the production might be changed up with a little bit of defense and, and length. And, you know, I think Kelly also really knows who he is. So he takes the open three, he moves the ball, he kind of drives to the rim when he feels like it's open, and he's not as high a usage guy as someone like TJ Warren. So that fit in the starting lineup and then TJ moving and being able to do everything that he wants in the second unit is something that I think makes a hell of a lot of sense. He also has the, just the polar opposite... Uh, you know, polar like that polar false question. Polar <laughs> opposite uh, attitude 
as CJ. Mm-hmm. Kelly does. Like, you don't ever forget Kelly Oubre's on the floor. It just it never happens. Yeah. Sometimes you can, like, literally just, like, you know, go five minutes and go, oh, I forgot TJ's out there. Because TJ just disappears. Yeah. Uh, Kelly inserts himself into the action. Uh, he's awesome. I, I think that that's the kind of energy that you need in that, in that lineup with Booker and Aiden because that's the kind of thing. Like, Booker and Aiden are both, I don't want to call them, like, lazy players. They're, they kind of, like, they can sometimes get a little slow and, you know, lackadaisical, I guess is the word for it. And you need guys around them who are constantly flying around and, and, and bringing the energy. And that's what Kelly Oubre is. It's not what TJ is. TJ falls into the worst uh, of the tropes of those, you know, the, the lethargy. So I, I think that's what you got to do. If not for a, you know, a pure statistical or, you know, offensive defensive fit reason, just a pure energy reason. Yeah, the answer doesn't lie in the stats on this one is just what I wanted mm-hmm. to point out. And that's why you've kind of got to see it. Uh, to believe it. And uh, we're going to get into this a little later with the rest of the season questions. But, you know, I would just end for now on saying that uh, you you make a change like that for for the reason that you just stated. TJ sits far more with Booker and Aiton in terms of what he brings to the team. And, you know, I think for the rest of the season, this team kind of needs to see what Booker and Aiton can do as the one-two punch with, you know, three guys just pulling them along in the things that they lack in terms of energy and defense sometimes. And that's what I really want to see, Max. Well, also, and I'll just bookend that with an agreement. Uh, also, we want to see Kelly Oubre with them because we got to figure out who we're going to pay that guy. Exactly. We're going to get some... He will, he's going to get some offers and we're going to have to think long and hard, I think. So you want to have as much data as possible and you know you want to have him with the best players to kind of make that assessment, I think. Yeah, although they may just extend him before he even gets there because both he and James Jones have already said that. So we'll, we'll see. They seem to be in love. They're, they're doing the dance at the moment, but we see that a lot in restricted free agency. So we'll see, we'll see. Yep, we'll see. All right, David, we're going to move on to the point guard questions. You're going to take the lead on this one, right? I am. So we're going to start with... Uh, the first question, which was from Brian, which was all on its lonesome in terms of any crossover with other questions. So, is Melton good enough and is his ceiling high enough to keep as the starter and develop or should they look to add someone else? Max, as our resident Melton stan on this pod, I'm going to let you start off on this one. My answer is yes and yes. <laughs> uh, I think that if you can upgrade at position substantially, you do it. Yep. You gotta do it. We we all know the biggest problem with this team is they don't have uh, good enough creation. Yep. Booker's the only above average creator on the entire team, and they need to, they need to do better than that. That's mm-hmm. just obvious. However, Melton, uh, I think he's shown enough and enough improvement, especially over the past month and a half or however long he's been starting, where you really need to commit to that guy. I think he's somebody that you 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 feature as part of this core going forward. He's been good enough to show that, in my opinion. Uh, he also, if you upgrade and you know get a better, get a you know a current NBA starting point guard in here, Melton's the kind of guy where you can play him multiple lineups. You can play him next to Booker and that guy, you know, off the bench. He's a very versatile kind of guy. So I, the great thing about Melton is, if you bring in a, a starting point guard, you're not you know you're not benching Melton or, or, or you know what's the word for it, suppressing Melton. You can, you can do both. So I, I think that, that my, that's my answer. Maybe it's a cop out, but I would do both. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think we need to make a change at point guard overall, whether it's via trade or a roster, I guess, rejig, you know, maybe going back to point book or something like that. And I would purely do that just so you're not playing Melton and Okobo uh, extended, you know, all 48 minutes every game at point guard, because I think that's where we're going to see a lot of the ups. I have an idea for you real quick, David, because this came to me during the Charlotte game. Yep. 
what if they started with Melton in the first half and then they started every second half point book with, uh, you know, whatever, Uber, Mikel, Josh, however they wanted to do it? I'm all for anything like that, to be honest. I think, as I said, we just can't go 48 minutes with a Kobo or Melton or we're going to keep seeing mm-hmm. this inconsistency. We're going to see a game like Toronto sandwiched in between the games of Indiana and Charlotte. That's just what we're going to have to get used to seeing if that's the point guard rotation going forward. So they need to fix something to do with that. To go back to Brian's question and and round this one out, I'm going to go back to the Patrick Beverly comp on this one. His four full seasons in Houston, I think it was, he was the starting point guard next to James Harden. The Rockets made the playoffs in every one of those seasons. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of what you're looking at with a relative ceiling with Melton. I think the difference there is Beverly was quite clearly the fifth best offensive player on that team. And that's why he fit in doing everything, doing all the intangibles, playing defense. And that's kind of what I see with Melton. You know, at the moment, starting three rookies, having some other lineup issues with uh, TJ and things like we discussed, that's where Melton is highlighted a little bit more and we look at his, maybe his deficiencies too much. So, you know, Beverly's best season on that Houston team, he was kind of, 9.5 points a game, 4.2 assists, almost six rebounds, one and a half steals, and shot, you know, 38% from three. I don't think there's any reason why Melton can't be that player for this team, Max. They're not astronomical numbers, and it worked in Houston. So if you think Booker is the kind of guy that two or three years ago Harden was, or Booker can be that player, then I think at least while the Suns are aiming to make the playoffs, that would be the role that I would kind of see Melton potentially filling. Obviously, eventually the Rockets decided they wanted to make that upgrade to CP3, but you know Phoenix aren't in those dream scenarios right now. We, we need to be thinking about how to build a playoff team with what we've got and making a few additions. So that would kind of be my answer to the question. I, I still think Melton can be that player as his ceiling, and that is a valuable player in the NBA. I actually think he can be better than that. I think that's probably his realistic ceiling. I agree with you there. Yep. I think, man... All they really need to do is just add a mid-range game. And that's kind of like a it's, it's saying it's easy to say, hard to do, right? Yeah. If we can add like a realistic pull-up mid-range game, like I don't really see why he can't be uh, a better better version of Patrick Beverly. You know, more more versatile and capable in offense. Just the reason why I say that is he's just so capable of improving. We've seen so much of it already. Uh, he also clearly works his ass off in the summer. Like yep. the, the improvement he made in the three is really impressive and. You bet, you bet in guys like that who make those kind of improvements. Yep. And also guys, my favorite kind of guys, the guys who feel the game well. If Melton this summer just works his ass off and, and develops some sort of a mid-range kind of pull-up game, and it is, it is not, you know, right now teams just let him go into the mid-range and, and just leave him alone there. Yeah. If they can't do that anymore, he's going to be so much more uh, potent on offense. He's already showing the improvements as a playmaker. He has the vision. If, if he just has that, that ability to – and EJ says all the time, uh, Ernie Johnson, the broadcast, he's like, Melton, you – you have to take those shots when they give them to you. I, even if you're making them, you have to take them. You just, you just can't not. And if he starts to get to the point where a team's at the guard in there and, and respects him there because he's making them, I, sky's kind of the limit for him. I don't really know why he needs to be limited in any way. Yeah, I agree. And if they can you know, fix some of the pieces around him, as I said, that's what I just really wanted to highlight is like we're probably putting a little bit too much pressure on him in terms of like, well, if he's going to yes. be the starter, he's got to be super ultra productive point guard. And if he, you know, he's only averaging eight points a game or whatever, like, can we really project forward that he's going to be 
a starter. And it's like, well, the Beverly thing is, you know, a kind of easy way to show that, yes, that, you know, there's different roles that point guards can play in this league, particularly when you've got a player like Devin Booker. And, you know, the playmaking has been great from him. I've been trying to highlight it recently. And then you've got, you know, games like the Toronto game where, you know, we see very late in the piece that uh, Booker gets doubled and then, you know, they throw to TJ and, you know, we've already discussed TJ's limitations there, but mm. that's where people get frustrated that, uh, you know, they don't have another playmaker out on the court. But I think that says more about the rest of the lineup construction than it does about, you know, putting any pressure on Melton having to be... Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, it's a, it's a 46 overall pick, rookie. Like, what do you really expect? <laughs> exactly. I, I the, the fact that they inserted him into the starting lineup after he wasn't even playing early in the year and, you know, he's a second round, like... He's been remarkable. I got a melt in the sand here. He's been remarkable given what he is in his situation, don't you think? Yeah, you've got to remind yourself. And, you know, that's why I come back to, you know, the full 48 minutes going to him and Nakobo. They're both, you know, second round pick yeah. rookies from just this current draft class. Like, if you want to point to something about why the Suns are so inconsistent and bad, like, there's your reason right there. Not saying that they're terrible, that they're, you know, never going to be NBA players, but they're rookie point guards in the rookie NBA. Rookie second like, round point is... guards that are young. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, and I think, uh, just one more Melton stand moment. <laughs> I think you can compare Melton and Okobo, and I think they both have potential, but there's a reason why Melton's starting over Okobo. It's because, like, you can kind of reasonably play basketball in an NBA game with him on the floor. Okobo, is just, he's just not there yet. I, I have a lot of, I, I like a lot of what he does. I, he's a spark plug. I like, I like his game. He's just not even close to being there yet. Yeah, and I think it took Igor quite a while to um, come to that realization, maybe longer than we uh, all hoped and expected. But I think at some point, even though he wasn't, you know, his perfect fit as a starting point guard in the team in terms of what he brought, you know, he just managed to wait to, to get himself in there with the kind of intangible stuff that he brings to the lineup. So I'll move on to questions two and three here together now, Max, because they're kind of very similar. So mm-hmm. at Country K said, how would you all feel about the Suns trading for Mike Conley? And what would you give up in a hypothetical deal for him? And Max Hodder said, removing contracts from the equation, would you rather Conley or Kemba on this Suns team? I'll throw it to you first, Max, to kind of, Answer that in conjunction with each other. I'm going to answer first Max's question and just say I'd rather have Kemba regardless. Yep, it's easy for me too. He's just better and younger. I love Conley. He's great. And we'll get into, I do think I, I would be happy if the Suns traded for Mike Conley. We'll get to that through a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kemba Walker is just an incredible basketball player. I, early in the season before he, I think he twisted his ankle. He did something uh, to slow him down a little bit. But he was like MVP buzz kind of guy. First team all NBA, like he was killing it because he's incredibly good. Yep. Uh, Suns fans have now seen it in two separate games. We have not been able to stop him. He's burned the hell out of Melton and Aiton on defense, which you know not, not the hardest thing in the world to do sometimes, but still. Yeah. Kim, Kim Walker just owns us. He's an incredibly good player, and if the Suns had a chance to get him, they should do that. So, uh, do you want to comment on Kim a little bit before I go on to the Mike Conley stuff? Yeah, it's Kemba easily for me. He's twenty eight compared to Conley thirty one. Uh, and, you know, essentially Kemba's about to get the deal that Conley got a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're picking the two against each other just in terms of projecting forward with this young team, I think it's Kemba every day of the week. Conley's probably the perfect archetype in terms of, you know, I always 
talk about ticking those boxes, playing next to Booker, defense, three-point shooting, and extra playmaking. Maybe Conley, just in terms of those things, shades Kemba slightly and being able to tick all three boxes. But, you know, you're about to jump into Conley now, so I'll let you kind of break down, you know, if you would be happy for him to be on the team, Max. So I think the reason why... Suns fans were hesitant to trade for some of these older uh, star-ish players was that we're, you know, excited about our cap space. How are we going to build around, you know, Booker and Jackson at the time because we didn't have eight at the time, that kind of stuff. Yep. At this point, I've reached, like, we just got to salvage Booker and Aiton. Yep. We just got to make sure they have, you know, a good uh, a good time here and don't want to leave and also develop correctly. It, it's reached that stage. I, I'm sick of this, like, awful, horrible losing stuff. So, yes... If they have a chance to get Mike Conley, I know he's at injury trouble. I, I still take the risk. I go and get him. I came up with a hypothetical deal that I don't know if it get it done or not. I think it's in like the realm of reason. Interesting. Uh, David, so let me ask you. I'm going to ask you this deal. You tell me if you're going to do it, okay? Okay. I think you're going to highlight a point that I, I wanted to make around it being so hard to trade for Mike Conley. So let's hear it. Yeah, I think the first person I named is going to be highlighting that. He <laughs> makes a lot of money, Mike Conley. Yes. He makes $30 million a year. So you have to get up to that to make the uh, CBA rules. Really, the only way you do that, other than combining a bunch of contracts, including TJ, is with Ryan Anderson. Yep. Uh, so if you're going to trade Ryan Anderson, you're going to need to sweeten the pot, obviously, because no one wants that contract. Yep. So here's the way I sweeten the pot. You tell me whether you would do this or whether you think this is something Memphis would be interested in, which is obviously really hard for you to say. Uh, Ryan Anderson, Josh Jackson, Ellie Akobo, and then our first-round pick this year, top three protected this year, and next year, and then after that, just lottery protected. That's so tough. I mean, I basically had no to trading for Mike Conley in my notes, and, and that's because of his age, and he's got an early termination on his uh, last year of that deal as well, which I think spells a little bit of trouble for a franchise like the Suns. But Yeah, it's kind of like, at that point, would you want him to exercise it or not? I guess it depends on how it's going. Yeah, I had Ryan Anderson, Josh Jackson, Dragon Bender purely for salary reasons, and then I had firsts, like multiple firsts, because you've mm. got to pay for Ryan Anderson, obviously, and then you've probably got to pay on top of that as well. So if the deal was what you've said, which was uh, what Ryan Anderson, Josh Jackson, Ali Akobo, and our first this year top three protected, I believe you said? Yeah, I said top three. And then, and then again, top three next year. So basically, you're giving up a really good pick of one of these years. I'd think long and hard about that, and I'd probably end up pulling the trigger on it. You've, you've talked me into it, uh, and pretty much for the reason that you said, I think the Suns have to make some moves at some point, and they have to stop uh, banking on this kind of mysterious, unreliable cap space uh, going forward. So mm -hmm. if that's the deal and it's not multiple firsts, uh, I think I could be talked into it purely to you know start seeing how this team can kind of look with some competent NBA players on the team, Max. Yeah, and I think people will hesitate be like, man, you really want to give up on Josh Jackson? But uh, listen, Josh Jackson's been a little bit better lately, but he's still very, very, very bad. And at this point, the future's Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. It just is. You're going to get two iterations of this team going forward as long as you keep those guys because they're so young. Booker and Aiton, 22 and 20. Like, you you have the... the you'll, if, I assume you make this trade. You'll have the Conley years the next two or three years. Three if you uh, exercise, which you probably would. Yeah. And at, at the end of that, you know, Booker's 25, Aiton's 23, uh, whatever he is. You still have another chance to rebuild your team. I think you need to, like, focus right now on just making sure those guys get to where you want them to be. 
and then you worry about building around them because man, if you don't if you don't make Booker and Aiton work out, then what are you doing? You're just rudderless. You're you're looking at another ten years of rebuilding. Yeah, it's a great point. Exactly why you would look at a deal like this. I think, as you said, it, it's time now. Booker and Aiton is the one to you know, and I see it from most fans. Everyone wants to get better. So if you want to get better, you need to uh, succumb to the fact that probably one of Ali Okobo or Melton isn't going to be on this team long-term. Mm-hmm. And then some of Warren, Jackson, maybe even Mikhail Bridges, some of those guys are going to go as well. Like This team doesn't get exponentially better in a quick period of time and all of those guys stay on the team and nobody gets traded and you know it's all happy families and no hard moves have made. Like If we want to get better as a fan base, uh, then some hard moves are going to have to be made and that's going to mean that some guys are probably going to have to get traded out and you just hope that the organization picks the right guys to move out and, and the right ones to keep. Yeah, I hope they pick those better than the guys that they've drafted. Uh, <laughs> in twenty sixteen. Uh, all right, you want to move on to our last one of these point guard questions? Yep. So it's at Monster Demo three, and he says, out of free agency, the draft, and trades, which avenue presents the best option for a point guard, and which point guard would you choose or think is the most realistic? Which I think is an important point in free agency or trade. I'm going to start out saying, Max, let's just remove the draft. I know that there's been some chatter about uh, Jar Morant a little bit. The rest of the draft is pretty thin in terms of point guards. The Suns just drafted a couple of point guards, or, or at least ended up with a couple of point guards from the last draft class. And everything that we just described in terms of uh, this team needing to get better quickly. Uh, I don't think the answer is drafting another rookie point guard and starting them next to Devin Booker, Max. Can we agree on that? Good God, I do not want to watch another fucking young point guard on this team. <laughs> so, yes, we can absolutely agree on that. Uh, my answer is probably a trade, just because it's hard to attract somebody here. I mean, I'm going to go back to, I touched on this in a seven seconds or less question an episode or two ago. Yep. Uh, it's probably D'Angelo Russell in a sign-in trade with the Nets or something. Yep. If the, if the Nets just want to, you know, they, they land a big fish in free agency, even though D'Lo is playing better, he's just not part of the long-term plans, and they just say, hey, let's just sign him, trade him to the Suns where he probably wants to go because mm-hmm. he loves Evan Booker. That's probably still the best realistic option. I know a lot of Suns fans don't like him because of the defensive fit, even though his, uh, his defense has been better. But I just, you know, he's uh, – we'll get into this later. I think he's on the bubble of an all-star appearance in the East – not saying a ton because the East, but listen, if you're talking about the most realistic, best option, I think that's probably it. Yeah, I think you're cheating a little bit. I would still class that as free agency, even though it is a trade. You know, yeah, I kind fair. of, I kind of took traders uh, before this trade deadline, and you know, if you're looking at things there, there was the recent Dennis Smith Jr. rumor, which I don't think too many people were in on from a Suns perspective. Uh, I read this morning that Corey Joseph might be available, but then you get in a bit of a discussion about, you know, is it really worth bringing in a guy like Joseph? It it, it intrigues me to a, a small degree of, again, just seeing some more capable starting NBA players on this team just to kind of round out the season and see how they can finish it off. And then, you know, Jeremy Lin's another name that we've seen as well. uh, And he could kind of uh, start with Booker and maybe even stagger some minutes too. So the general consensus there is that the options for a a short-term trade are either, you know, risky or uh, pretty tame. And therefore you are looking towards this free agency class to fix the position. I think, 
D'Lo is definitely worth, worth mentioning. We have on this podcast before. Uh, Kemba is another name that we obviously spoke about just before. Uh, I think you'd look at another restricted free agent in kind of Malcolm Brogdon in terms of ticking those boxes in terms of defense, three-point shooting, and, and playmaking next to Booker. And then other, I guess, lesser names are the likes of Darren Collison, Patrick Beverly, and you know Ricky Rubio is another name that I've kind of been on for a while. Uh, with the Igor connection and and maybe uh, a name that the Suns will look at in July, Max. But I wouldn't go near Rozier. Uh, We're not going to get anywhere near Kyrie Irving. And for obvious reasons, uh, I don't think Eric Bledsoe is coming back to the Suns, Max. Ricky Rubio would be an interesting option to try to trade TJ Warren for. Because Utah is one of the teams I could actually see being interested in TJ Warren. Because they need that kind of scoring burst and they have the defense around him. It yep. can make a little bit of sense. I think it makes a bit of sense. It was a team that came up when I was thinking about it. Milwaukee was another team that came up when I was mm. thinking about it when I thought about mm. Brogdon too. Because, you know, they're kind of capped out uh, and, uh, you know, just want to add more scoring and, and punch around Giannis. So that was another thought that I had going through that one, Max. Yep, I think that's the kind of team you're looking at, a team that's like a playoff team that's sort of a, a pseudo-contender that just needs a little more scoring. Yeah. Uh, all right, are we ready for the power forward questions, which should be pretty quick? Let's do it. All right, we have two questions, very similar. We're going to read them together. The first one comes from at E. Harding underscore cup, Evan Harding. He asks, it's essentially the exact same question we just had. Basically, out of free agency draft trades, which avenue is the best to get a power forward? Yep. Uh, other one is from Slowbub, at Bub Slow. You just reverse those two things if you're not paying attention. <laughs> he asks, what are some PF options around the trade deadline or free agency? Maybe for TJ, ideally a 3 and D guy is my thought. David, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a lot like the point guard discussion, I think. You're looking for certain attributes. Uh, the, the Suns clearly don't have a power forward uh, option on this team going forward. So, you know, and the Chris Bender draft is, is kind of what has put them in that situation. So you could argue that power forward is almost just as crucial as point guard, and they need to be really thinking about it uh, into this summer. I think you want, a, obviously, a good floor spacer next to Aiton, uh, a good defender, if they can block, it would be great. And, you know, as an Igor stand, I, I I would like them to be a good fit with Igor. So, you know, be able to move the ball, play in space, things like that. So I think this one's more likely to be a trade before the deadline than, say, point guard is, just because of the free agency point guard market. Uh, and, you know, with if the team is, is quite desperate. So I wouldn't rule out, you know, a name like Kevin Love. I'm not sure how you feel about something like that, Max. And then we see, you know, Aaron Gordon always get talked about. Maybe even Harrison Barnes could be a short-term option at the four for Phoenix. Uh, And even a guy like Dario Saric on a very low number for a couple of years. I don't think he's been playing an awful lot in Minnesota since their coaching change. So that was a name I wanted to throw out as a potential trade target, Max. That's a fun one. I haven't even thought about Dario Saric. I have to to process that one. No, No pun intended. But I, I like that. Yeah, Dario Sarge is a fun one. Um, I was going to be boring and just say Miritich because we always say him. Yeah. If you're playing the uh, 7 SOL drinking game, take a shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and now the Pelicans are, are you know, in the free fall with uh, Anthony Davis out a week or two with whatever injury he has now. Uh, maybe he's more available. I don't know. That's kind of my ideal guy. But I, you focusing on defense, I think that's the key. I, I think one of the biggest problems with this team right now is that they haven't had a defender sort of at that – 
four-ish, three-ish, four-ish position next to Aiton. Yeah. Uh, they're getting killed there, and uh, that that's what they should be targeting. Uh, in terms of the draft, I, I haven't fully scattered the draft, but I don't think there's a lot of guys in that position. I think there's a lot of guys who are a little smaller. Yeah, I, I, I literally just watch Nikola Mirotic play, and that's the ideal. And then think about guys who are like that. And the closest they are to that, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, as much as we've gone on about point guard helping Booker out, I think it's pretty amazing what Aiton has done, you know, with really no starting caliber true four next to him on the roster. So for all the reasons why we want to give Booker some playmaking help, again, I wouldn't be looking towards the draft to fix this unless it was a guy like Zion Williamson, because you don't really want to be starting another young guy next to Aiton going forward, whether it's the rest of this year or definitely going into next year so you know i'd thrown a few names out like that we do keep coming back to guys like miritich i I was going to put you on the spot after this and kind of say pick one point guard and one power forward just to kind of round out the discussion but before i do that i'll give you a little bit of notice on that one uh i want to throw up a couple of random names here for free agency targets Uh, a couple i think i've mentioned before and, and one i definitely haven't so uh, Paul Millsap might leave Denver. They've got a team option. So depending on what they can do in free agency, I think that's a name that's been connected to the Suns in the past. Tobias Harris is a completely unrestricted free agent. So if the Suns were thinking about going all in with all their money on a guy, I think he is shooting phenomenal numbers from three at the moment and would be someone that you'd think about putting next to DeAndre Ayton as a floor spacer at least. And here's a real under-the-radar one for you, Max. Okay. Maxi Kleber is a restricted free agent. <laughs> Interesting. He's been really damn good this season. My guess is Dallas just understands that and will keep him. But that's an interesting name. Yeah, they have like 50 million cap space as well. Yeah. So I think like the Russell scenario, maybe if they uh, shot really high and, and hit on a couple of guys that maybe want to play with Luca and, and they you know maybe fill up that cap space really quickly, you could sneak in under and, and get a guy like Maxi Kleber. You know, if there's any listeners that aren't too familiar with him, a great shot blocker, isn't shooting great numbers from three, but is a, a willing shooter from deep. So he ticks a lot of those boxes. So I'm going to be watching him for the rest of the season to, to see if he keeps improving, Max. Some of the advanced stats absolutely love him. I've seen him in like the top 10 of certain stats. <laughs> he's really beloved by some of those things. Yep, and he, he's worth watching. So, you know, there's some names we've thrown out for guys, but I'll throw it to you, Max. Pick one point guard and one power forward. It can be trade, free agency, but, you know, starting on the team next year. I can get whatever I want, or am I being realistic here? Uh, you got to throw the realistic tag in, but, you know, shoot for the stars. All right, my, my semi-quasi-realistic dream, I guess, would be uh, D'Lo and Zion. Yep. That wouldn't be bad, would it? I, I think I would take that. That'd be pretty good. That would be pretty good. I'm tempted to go D'Lo. You've really convinced me on that one, and, uh, you know, he's convinced me with his play recently. He's been... Awesome lately, David. I, th- I feel like the more we talk about this podcast, the better he plays. Yeah. I- I'm going to flip back to, uh, I guess, being boring, maybe repeating something I've said before. But I think Suns fans need to think that, you know, maybe a realistic target is something like Ricky Rubio and, and Miritich as the starting point guard and power forward on the team next year. And I wouldn't be totally depressed with, with that being the case. They would be a hell of a lot better if they had those two playing on their team. I'd say that. Yep. All right. Um... 
I guess we want to move on to our next category, David. We have rest of the season questions. Yep, and uh, fitting that this one has fallen to me. It's from Shay on Twitter, Shay Ali. We talk about floor ceilings for rookie players a lot, but what's Igor's floor ceiling as a rookie coach? Max, start us off. It's much harder to do this with a coach, obviously, because it's like so phys- much. There's like physical like limitations or anything like that. I'll say uh, it's floor. I think is pretty obvious. It's just not a head coach, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of head coaches' floor. Uh, and they're proven. Uh, he's shown some bad things. I've been critical of him. I thought the Boston game where he played Cannon over McHale down the stretch was awful. Yep. I thought the Washington game where he played uh, Crawford for three straight overtimes was really inexplicable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I don't want to totally blame him for this, but I, I wish he were a little more assertive when it came to the referees. The uh, Suns fans are really getting on the referees lately about like bad calls, which I think. Yeah, in the Toronto game, it was pretty bad. Uh, I think generally the Suns don't deserve to get calls because they just don't earn them because they're you know they don't they don't get fouled and they foul too much. Exactly, so they, 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 it's called correctly. But sometimes it is out of control as it is, and you know it happens in sports. Sometimes refs are wrong, and I wish that Igor would get on the refs a little more and just kind of just be more sort of general. I know he's a meek mannered guy. I know he's quiet. But I, I think it is part of being a good coach to be a strong personality at times and, you know, be the leader. And I, I don't know that he has that. So if I'm saying his ceiling, and listen, I don't, again, this is really hard to do as coaches, but I, his ceiling, I guess, is maybe a step down from guys like Popovich and Kerr who have, like, these great personalities mm-hmm. and maybe more like the, the, the elite tactician uh, ceiling kind of thing. But, uh, again, it's a really tough question. That's the best way I can answer it. Really tough question, but a fun one. I'm, I'm glad that Shay sent it through. Uh, in my notes, I'll double up. I think uh, even as the biggest Igor Stan, uh, I think that you have to admit that his floor is you know, still not an NBA head coach, and we probably won't know that until the end of his three years if he makes it that far. And therefore, you know, as a, a, a good assistant is probably his flaw in the NBA, which he's been for a number of years. So I think it's comfortable to say that that is his flaw in the NBA. But ceiling, though, I think he can still be... This probably doubles up on what you said. I think he can be in that Snyder, Atkinson, Brett Brown, Mike Malone bracket, who I guess are underneath the really, really elite head coaches in the NBA. And they're all guys that, um, you know, took a program, as a lot of guys in the NBA like to say, over and uh, built it from the ground up. So as we're talking about in terms of Phoenix essentially starting again after some lean draft years and some bad development, I think Igor as the, the guy to take them through that, that's still very much his ceiling in the NBA. And funnily enough, those four guys that I mentioned, Max, are all in the top 13 in terms of tenure in the NBA. So the top half of the NBA, even though they're relatively new names, just goes to show that you know coaches flip over mm. a lot in the NBA. So you know my hope and my ceiling for Igor would be that you know in three, four, five years' time, he's still the the coach of the Phoenix Suns and has kind of led the program along and. You know, the, the last thing I'd say on that is I've noticed that him and James Jones are, are saying a lot of the same things. So there's definitely some synergy there amongst the team in terms of uh, the way they're going to go forward. I like that. I like synergy. I hope they stick together because the last thing this team needs is turmoil and turnover. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're moving the next one, David. Yeah, I'm going to give some quick shout-outs to the next three who basically all ask the same question. So King Cactus, uh, Jared Renko on Twitter, and our good friend Alessandro Cosi all the way from Italy. King Cactus says, what are some realistic goals for the team for the rest of the season? 
Jared kind of asked, would you keep the team as is and develop, look to make a trade or other? And Ali asked, what has to happen from now until the end of the season to make you confident that they won't be awful again next season? So we've covered a fair bit of that ground already, Max, but do you have any thoughts on those kind of questions? I thought it's a good opportunity for us to essentially revisit our, our fake GM episode from a few weeks ago where we outlined what we would do for the rest of the season. Yeah, so... I think so. Real quick to Jared, if I, it was a good trade, I make it. Like I'm not not making a trade. Yeah. But I think what I'm realistically looking at, and and what will give me confidence going forward, is just that the team just stops having these games where they show up and they just get their asses kicked in the first half every single Friday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wanted to see from March on, they just play competitive basketball every single night. They show up every night. They, they they don't win every single game. They're not good enough to do that. But they're at least like competitive in there, and they're not down by twenty in the first quarter. That, that's the only thing that's going to make me confident that they're that they're not you know awful next season. Yeah. Otherwise, like anything else, you can show flashes. You can win a couple games. You can beat Golden State uh, or whatever. But if you, if you keep having these turd games every you know two out of every five games or whatever the amount is, I have no faith they're going to be better next season. I don't know how you possibly could. Uh, so my realistic goal is just that the, the guys they have now, just they start playing better, they start showing up, we get less of these non-appearance games. Yep, I agree. I think compared to what I outlined, what I wanted the team to do, say, a month ago, they've, they've pretty much done it all what both of us kind of wanted them to do, Max. It, it, as far as I'm concerned, they, they didn't go out and get a point guard, which I'd hoped that they'd do, but was kind of realistic that they might not be able to. And it might be a little too late now. Maybe it's time to go all in on development and, and kind of focus on Aiton, Mikhail, Melton. As you said, don't rule out a trade if one comes to you, but I don't think they need to go fishing for one. I'll address Ali's question here. I think I didn't read it out, but he kind of brought up the Sacramento example and you know them making a leap this year and you know, Sacramento only had 27 wins last year and have, you know, become a playoff bubble team this season. That would require the Suns kind of going, you know, 16 and 19 for the rest of the year, which is probably very, very unlikely. But I did go through the schedule. If they can really protect home court, they can probably pick up, you know, 12, 13, 14 wins maybe to finish off the year, which would get them up around the 25 mark, which would be at least a positive end to the season, Max. And, you know, with the West being so tight, you know, you brought up Golden State there before. I don't think they're going to be too worried about seedings and things. But, you know, the Suns could maybe become that team that, uh, you know, disrupts playoff chances for teams at the end of the year. And maybe that's something that they can get out of the rest of the season is be that kind of uh, frisky team that uh, teams are scared to go up against and, and drop a game because uh, it might affect their, their overall playoff seeding. Yeah, and that will all be well and fun. I'd love to see a couple of those games where they upset some teams. But really, for me, the key word is just consistency. Yep. They, they have these good games every once in a while. I just want it to be every single time. Like, Can we just have this team not show up and just lay turd bombs every, <laughs> every other game? Like, Just show up every night. I don't care if you're winning or not. Just don't make me feel depressed that I'm watching you play. Yep. That's what will make me happy. Uh, all right, David, let's go on to our rapid-fire quick fun questions. Let's do it. First one, at Gino Seros, which ex-player would you want to see Aiden work out with? I'm really tempted to say Amari here for his pick-and-roll kind of skills, but I'm going to stay on brand and, and stick with KG. What do you think? I want him to have some attitude. I just don't want him to work out with anybody. I want him to go drinking with Charles Barkley. <laughs> I just want to just get some attitude to him, get some anger to him. 
Uh, I, I like it. I like it. Second one is the second question from trying to not KMS. Uh, is health meaning Booker is removing himself from being untouchable? No. To me, I think about Bradley Beal. I think about Kyrie Irving. I think about Steph Curry. A lot of young guards, when they're not you know built in their man bodies yet, they get hurt a lot. I think Booker will get into better shape, and this will be a thing of the past. That is a great answer, and I'm just going to add that whether we like it or not, we need to see Booker and Aiton as the one-two combo going forward, Max. Mm-hmm. Give us number three. Number three from Reddit user Supreme Hat Three. What is the best seven SOL team favorite seven SOL team? David, you're going to give the, your favorite uh, seven SOL era player, right? Yeah, all these kind of blend together for me, so I, I kind of find it hard to pick one seven seconds or less era uh, team. But I'm going to nominate Leandro Barbosa as my favorite player from that kind of era. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year in 2007. Max absolutely blitzed the field, getting 500. 78 of a possible 635 votes in that award and if I had to pick a year you know Leandro's 07 year was uh, an incredible ride uh, I will go with I'm going to go with teams. I, my, I think the best team for me was the 0607 team. Yep. Uh, the team that got the suspensions and all that. That team should have won the title. Uh, my favorite team, though, is the 0910 team. That team was just so much goddamn fun. It was. Uh, nothing more depressing than the Ron Artest play that I don't want to talk about anymore. Let's go on, David. All right. We're going to go with the fun uh, question brought up by Suns Reddit on Twitter, and I'm going to expand it slightly as well. So one fun and one serious suggestion as the GM going forward for the Suns. David, I'd like to first of all congratulate you for uh, being among the finalists of that. <laughs> I was. I didn't see that until many, many hours later. So that was uh, a funny thing People to stumble across. People are appreciating across. your uh, cap sheets. <laughs> Thank you. So first of all, I'm going to start with... This game, the job's not open. Everybody knows that, right? James Jones is the GM of the Suns. Yep. I hope everyone knows that. But anyway, I will say my fun suggestion is going to be Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, I want just like someone really damn smart to just come in here and like analyze like the, you know, the future of the NBA and just like outdo all the other jams. My, my real answer is Sam Hankey, though. I just think he's really good at what he does, and I like the Suns to have him. I like it. I'm going to throw Kellen Olsen up as my fun suggestion because ah. I trust that he would uh, do a lot of the same things that I would do. So uh, my fa- fellow finalist in that competition, I believe uh, I would throw him up if it was uh, my choice. But a serious suggestion, I'm going to say David Griffin, probably very unlikely given his history, mm. but he took over a team before LeBron came that was very, very similar to this team. Had uh, had a young guy in Kyrie Irving. Uh, we have Devin Booker, also had a number one pick, I believe, come across. And then, you know, everything changed with LeBron deciding he wanted to go home. But uh, I think I would go with him for that experience, Max. I like it. It's a great answer. Uh, and I thought about him too. I guess that's it, right, David? That's it for our mailbag. We're going to do around the league soon, but first... We're going to do Did You Know? Yep. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions and, and glad we could get through all of them. But Max, we're going to jump into some all-star game discussion directly after this. So it seemed like a good idea to dive into the Suns' history of all-star selections. We've mentioned the playoff drought a few times in this segment on the pod, but did you know it will be seven seasons since a Phoenix all-star if they don't get one this season, Max? Hmm. Can you name the last all-star for the Suns? It's got to be Steve Nash. It was. 
in 2011-12. Phoenix have had 62 All-Star selections from 23 players in their history, starting with Gail Goodrich and Dick Van Arsdale all the way back in 68-69 and ending with Nash, as we mentioned. Now, Max, the last test for you in this segment, I promise. If I worked my way backwards from Nash, here are the Suns All-Stars we've had. Nash, Amari, Shaq, Marion, Marbury, Kidd, Barkley. That takes us to 94-95 for a clue. Can you name the next Suns All-Star? I mean, I gotta guess KJ. Ooh, almost. There's someone that just got in after him, and that is Dan Marley, a three... Oh, that was gonna be my other guess, man. <laughs> a three-time All-Star and all in the Valley. Marley played in the All-Star games in 92, 93, and 95. I don't know about you, Max, but as two pretty old Suns fans, I'm guessing Marley is one of your favorite ex-Suns like he is for me, and probably for a few of our older listeners as well. Thunder Dan, he was more affectionately known as, was a crowd favorite in Phoenix, and has a long history with the Suns that extends long after his playing career. While he played eight of his 14 seasons with the Suns after being drafted at number 14 in the 88 NBA draft, he also was an assistant coach for the team, owns five restaurants in the desert, and has been involved in two coaching searches. Funnily enough, Marley was overlooked for the interim job that Lindsey Hunter took and left the team after that, while current head coach Igor Kukoskov stayed on And as we've mentioned before, I believe he actually ran the whiteboard for Hunter because Hunter basically couldn't do it. Mm. Then again, this summer, Max, Phoenix approached Marley before hiring Igor, but he declined in favor of staying with the college team GCU. Very interesting. But back to his playing days here. Marley, of course, had his number nine jersey retired by the team, and he was the only player to ever wear that number. He now sits in the ring of honor alongside the rest of the Suns' greats. That was after a rough start, though. Marley was apparently booed, Porzingis Nick style, Max, when he was drafted. Uh, but fans quickly changed their mind after he played for Team USA in the Olympics before turning pro. Team USA only won bronze, beating my country of Australia, no less. But Marley scored 14 points per game alongside Richmond, David Robertson, Danny Manning, and Hersey Hawkins before returning to Phoenix. It was a trade that got Phoenix the pick in which Marley was selected. A trade that sent out Nance and a first and returned the number 14 pick with which Marley was selected, along with Kevin Johnson, Ty Corbin, Mark West, and two seconds. Not bad at all. It's the Suns' career that was highlighted with a finals loss to the Bulls in 92-93 max, a playoff run where Marley had playoff game highs of 34 points, 8 made threes, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, and 5 blocks. They were all in games against the Sonics led by Peyton and Kemp, or the Jordan-led Bulls. So now with all that Marley talk, Max, I wanted to ask you one last question before we end the segment, but don't worry, it's not a test. Hmm. What do you think about Dan Marley being a good ceiling outcome for Mikhail Bridges? That's kind of a fun one. Uh, Shooting-wise, I think we'd love to have that, right? Offensively, no no (laughs) doubt. 
if he's the offense, uh, Dan Marley, that's that's incredible. Dan Marley was a pretty decent, fine defender, but I think we're hoping a little more out of that end from Mikhail. Yeah, both similar size, around 6'6", 6'7", and 215 to 220 pounds, with Mikhail obviously having the wingspan advantage over Thunder Dan. But they were both taken in the first round. They shot almost identical percentages from three in their final college year. Hmm. Just to show how times have changed, though, Marley's 44.6% from three in his senior year slightly shadows Mikhail's 435 but Mikhail made 104 threes in his last year, which is more than Marley even attempted at 101 in his college year, Max. Thunder Dan's career averages are pretty underwhelming due to some lean years at the end away from Phoenix. But on top of being a three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defense second-team guy, here are Marley's Phoenix-only averages. 14.6 points, 5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.5 of a block on 44.7, and 1.43s on 36.7% from deep. So it's an interesting thought, and one that I thought I'd leave you and the listeners with, given we've tried to pigeonhole Mikhail a few ways on this pod, but a great outcome for the rookie long-term could be Dan Marley. So now onto that general NBA chat, Max, with the All-Star game right around the corner. Awesome. Thanks for that, David. I, I freaking love Dan Marley, an underrated uh, character in his history, in my opinion. Yep. All right, so we're going to get into the Around the League segment here. We're going to do the All-Star stuff, as I mentioned earlier. We're going to start by kind of piecing together what the teams are going to look like. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do our own little All-Star draft. So, David, why don't you start with label who you think maybe the starters and some of the fringe guys are, and then... I'll go through what mine looks like and we'll, we'll start the debate. Yeah, so I looked at the third returns of fan voting to kind of start off what it looks like the starters are going to look like, Max. So I think it's pretty easy to slot uh, Curry and Harden into the two guard slots for the West mm-hmm. and likely LeBron, Paul George, and Kevin Durant in the three front court positions. A reminder, you don't have to have a traditional center anymore. So that's kind of how the West starters look. I think the East starters probably look like Irving, Walker, Giannis, Embiid, and Kawhi. So that's our kind of two starting lineups for each conference at the moment. I think the West is a little easier in terms of finding other uh, guys that will definitely make the team. I've got Russ, Damian Lillard as guards, and then Anthony Davis, Jokic, or Jokic, I should say, and Carl Anthony Towns in that team, which really only leaves the two wildcard spots uh, for open spots for us to discuss in the West there. Max, unless you've got any disagreement with that. Yeah, no, for the West, the, the only thing I think could be switched out is maybe, you know, the forwards, maybe Davis starts or Jokic sneak in there for starters. But in terms of who's locked in on the team, uh, the four guards are Curry Harden, Lillard Russ, the sixth front quarter, LeBron, George, Durant, AD, Jokic, Carlton Towns. I don't think there's any debate there. Yep. Uh, before we get on to the East, which is way messier, maybe we should figure out who our two wild cards are going to be from the West. I think that that's a great idea. So I'm going to run down who I think the candidates are, and then uh, we can go from there. So yep. I think the candidates are Drew Holiday, Rudy Gobert, Luka Doncic, Steven Adams, Tobias Harris, Clay Thompson, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, De'Aaron Fox, Mike Conley, and... 
I'm throwing him in, even though I think he has no chance. Devin Booker. That's pretty much my list. Uh, I've got a few others that I took off the fan voting that I don't think deserve to be in the conversation, but I put them in there just because of that. So guys like Clay Thompson and Draymond. Um, not sure if you mentioned Lamarcus Aldridge there, who's been on fire lately. I actually I had Clay in. I had Clay in there. I had Aldridge in there. I did yeah. not have Draymond, even though Draymond's actually been pretty damn good on defense. But he has not quite the All Star. Yeah, they're still the best defensive team in the league when Dre's on the court. And if we're going to throw Booker in, I think we have to throw Donovan Mitchell in, who's been better lately. Uh, but I don't think either of those guys are going to make it. I'm going to throw the first shot here. Luca would actually be in the starting five right now if you just go off fan voting. So I think he's going to s- just sneak in for one of these wild card positions. What do you think, Max? I think Luka Doncic deserves to be an All Star. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks are—they're not—they're not great, but they're sort of in the—you know—in that thick of things, yep. on the outside of the, the race. And he's their best player, man. Uh, he's a rookie, but he's their best player. And recently, he's been averaging like twenty-five, five and five. Like, yes, I think that you know, all things considered, I think Devin Booker is a better player than Luka Doncic. But just you know, sometimes it's the way it happens. He's in a better situation. He's you know had a better season than Booker, and I think he deserves to be an All Star. Yep. And then I think we should work backwards. So I'm going to remove Devin Booker, unfortunately, for health reasons more than anything. I agree. I'm going to remove Donovan Mitchell for. Uh, his poor play to start the season. I don't even have him on there, so I agree. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, I think we can remove. Unlucky to him because he is definitely charging that team towards the playoffs. Just not quite enough from him. I agree. Yep. Uh, for similar reasons, again, I'd probably remove Drew Holiday and Tobias Harris. Um, I'm down to remove Harris. I'm gonna let's keep Drew for now. Okay, no worries. And then you know we already discussed that Dre and Clay probably aren't quite up to what they have been in the past. Clay so we'll, sucked for the first few months of the season. Yeah, let's eliminate those guys. So that leaves Gobert, Drew, Adams, Demar Derozan, who's been poor lately. So we could almost eliminate him. And his teammate, LaMarcus Aldridge. Let's just go ahead and eliminate DeMar and Aldridge because they are boring. Alrighty. Uh, I also have Conley, who I'm going to remove also because the Memphis has just been so bad lately. Yeah, he's taken a bit of a dip while Memphis have too. So uh, I was pushing for him a few episodes ago, but unfortunately he's going to fall short too. So uh, Gobert, Adams, Drew. Do you feel strongly about any of those three? I mean, I got to tell you what. I, my, my heart's telling me Adams. I fucking love that guy. Yep. My, my brain's telling me Rudy Gobert. I just think he's the best player on that on that, on that list. I'm not going to argue with that. So I think we can end that discussion right here, right now. And that uh, makes up our West starters. All right. Awesome. That's fun. So let's go to the East, which is going to be a lot harder, David. So I'll, I'll start with where I'm at. And you tell me where you disagree, okay? Okay. So we have four guards, six front court, two wild cards. Uh, I have three locks for guards. I have Kyrie, I have Kemba, and I have Beal. Okay. I have six front court guys. I have four locks out of them. I have Giannis, Embiid, Kawhi, and Blake Griffin. Okay. And then I don't have any of the wild cards yet. So do you disagree with any of those locks? Uh, I do and I don't. And I think you're probably going to disagree with the couple that I'm going to mention, which you haven't mentioned yet as locks either. I'll start it out by saying, obviously, the East is a hell of a lot messier than the West is. I think we agree on the five starters as locks. So Irving, Walker, Giannis, Embiid, Kawhi. There's no arguments there. Mm -hmm. You had Beal and Griffin, who I've written down now that you've mentioned them. I had Jimmy Butler as a front court player and Victor Oladipo. And I'm just going to say, this says more about how many open spots there are in the East 
rather than, I guess, their individual play warranting being selected. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier before this started. The way I phrase it is, like, the West guys are playing themselves into being locks, and on the East, it's, like, process elimination to being locks. Yep. Like, you just can't not have an alternate team without yep. them. So I don't, I don't disagree strongly versus uh, Beal and... Griffin, I, I had them in my group to discuss, so I've just gone and slotted them straight in. As long as you don't disagree strongly about Oladipo and Butler eventually making it, I think we can go ahead and slot them straight in. I'm going to throw them in because I agree. I think they both deserve to be on, but I'm just going to let you react. I don't know if you've listened to the Simmons and Lowe argument against Butler. I have not. So there's, here's what they're saying. Listen, whether you buy this or not, it's up to you, but they're saying... Jimmy Butler is like the fact that he submarined Minnesota like intentionally for you know whatever it was twenty games, and yep. then came to the Sixers and like immediately was just causing drama. Like they think that even besides his play is like and his play has not been overwhelmingly good. It's been, it's been good in Philly, but they think that the fact that he was doing all that crap, especially in Minnesota, was like enough to like sink him as an All Star. What do you, how how does that how do you make you feel about that? Yeah, I mean I get it. That's where I think. Uh, and I think this is what happens with voting, with fans, media, players. I think that's where we look at narrative too much rather than just paying mm-hmm. attention to whether they deserve to be in or not. And that's, you know, bias can kind of come into a little bit. Low isn't so much like this, so I'd take it from him. But, you know, a guy like Bill Simmons is always going to take personal <laughs> biases towards who he ends up voting for in, in these things. So Yeah, that's what I kind of found funny about it was that it was Zach Lowe of all people saying this. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I see it. I think, again, the word lock or must is uh, not as strong here as it is in the West. Uh, I think I just included Butler and Oladipo, who had injury concerns early in the year, because I kind of suspected that we'd end up picking them over some of these other guys anyway. So just to shorten the list down, uh, I've got them in there. Happy to include the two that you mentioned. And that leaves uh, one front court and two wild cards, Max. So is there anyone that you feel strongly about to put up straight away? I think just purely statistically, uh, I've heard him mention there's a lock on the low post and other places. I don't know if he's a lock, but I do think Nikola Busevic should be on the team. Yes, he's in, he's in my group. And uh, I guess... That would be the last front court position taken. I'm not going to argue with that. So let's slot him in. And then we're back to where we were with the West with two wild cards. I'll give you the group that I've got. Let's see if you've got anyone else. Sure. Going off fan voting, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons were both in there. Kyle Lowry was also in there. John Wall was also in there. <laughs> and then ones that I would throw in that weren't were uh, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Zach Levine, I think, just deserves to be in discussion like Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker and that were in the West. Uh, I think Chris Middleton deserves to be in discussion just because Milwaukee probably deserve a second All-Star. He's on my list, yep. And uh, who we mentioned throughout the pod. D'Angelo Russell. Correct. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep, you got my whole list there. Uh, I didn't have Levine. I, I get why you mentioned him. He's scoring a lot. Man, he's just like a... Uh, uh, yeah, poor man's version of the Booker case. <laughs> Way poor man's. I think, so I don't know, you, you won't disagree with this as an Australian. Ben Simmons is making the team, right? That He's got to be on there. Yep. I almost put him in as a lock, but went with Butler so instead. Okay, so we got, the only problem with that is Philly probably doesn't deserve three all-stars, but what can you do? That happens um, sometimes, unfortunately. It does, yeah. Oh, man, this last one's so tough. So can we eliminate, guys? I don't think Jason Tatum should be on here. He's just not, not a good enough season. Definitely not. Neither should John Wall. Yeah, well, yeah. I forgot he was on the list. Definitely not him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hate to do this. I think he's a really, really damn good player. Kyle Lowry has just been hurt too much, and I don't, really, I don't think so, man. 
yeah, I'm I'm happy to uh, remove him. And I can see where we're heading with this. It's kind of going to be a, a trio we're going to have to come to an agreement on, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, another guy, he kind of, a couple of weeks ago, took like a little respite from the season, left for a while. I think he's been great. Feels like Milwaukee should have two All-Stars, but I don't know. Chris Middleton, I'm just not feeling it, David. Yeah, and I've seen people uh, mention Bledsoe as well, so we'll give him a quick shout-out. But I think they both almost eliminate each other in that, you know, one can't make a clear argument over the other as, you know, being deserving of Milwaukee's second All-Star. So, uh, goodbye, Chris Middleton. Yep, and uh, now we got down to Siakam and D'Lo. I have, I, I think you're going to agree with me, David, but I, I want to go Siakam for two reasons. Number one, Toronto is extremely good and deserves two All-Stars. Uh, number two, D'Angelo Russell, I don't know if you noticed, sometimes gets benched at the end of close games. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he should be on the All-Star team if he gets benched at the end of close games, David. And we'd probably be falling into a little bit of recency bias if we went with D'Angelo, I yes. think. Uh, Siakam has been much more consistent over the whole year. I have him on my one of my fantasy teams, so I have been very much in tune with uh, how much he does across the board for that team. And the last thing I'll mention on him before we anoint him as the last East starter, Max, is a friend of mine recently mentioned that he was going to be a free agent this upcoming season, which is incorrect, but got me very excited uh, and also very worried that we hadn't <laughs> thought of him before as a potential free agent for the Suns because... Uh, you know, we saw it the other night with his game and the game winner against our team, Max, but he ticks about just about every box we have spoken about in this team needing in terms of guys that play extremely hard with passion and with skill. So uh, that's a really cool story if he ends up being a, an East All-Star. I'm going to go ahead and quell any sort of hopes on Pat Scott's Siakam. That guy's not going anywhere, guys. Nope. <laughs> that guy's going to be a Toronto Raptor for a very, very long time. He is. So we've got our 24 guys, Max, and we're going to do a little mock here and, and see who can end up with a better team. Yeah, so the leading vote-getters are Giannis and LeBron. Am I right about that? Uh, yes. All right. Do you want to be Giannis or LeBron? I tell you what, I'm going to just put myself in the shoes of LeBron James for, let's say, five minutes, I think is probably how long this will take us. Probably. So I'm going to take LeBron, which makes you Giannis, but I will do the gentlemanly thing and let you take the first pick. Okay, so how are we, are we going to do just like uh, snake draft rules or just straight up 1-1-1-1? One, 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 one? I think the real draft is just straight up 1-1, one, one, and there's no rules around having to fill positions or anything either as far as I'm concerned. So okay. you've got free reign to pick whoever you like out of our total pool uh, other than LeBron or Giannis right now. Well, that was very gentlemanly of you, David. <laughs> uh, all right, so here's what I'm going to do. I was on Twitter last night uh, standing for this guy about how I think he's actually underrated despite the fact that he's won two MVPs already. I just think people don't understand how good he is all around as a player. I think he's the second best player in the NBA behind your team captain. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Steph Curry to go with Giannis. I like it. Hard to deny. I'm going to complete the little love-in that's happening at the moment around these two guys. And as LeBron James, I am going to take Kyrie Irving as my point guard, Max. Mm, that's fun. Sort of like a rekindling thing here. Yep. Did you see what Irving said the other day in terms of calling LeBron to apologize? I did see that. That was uh, that was cute. Kyrie's a weird guy, man. So weird. So weird. <laughs> did you see the story where uh, when Kyrie called LeBron, he was having dinner with Kevin Love? I did not see that. How cool How cool was that? That's like karmic. Yep. All right. Um, 
I'm going to sort of try to box you out here and get the other like really dominant, big, freaky guy. I'm going to add uh, Anthony Davis to my team here. All righty. I'm walking a fine line here because there's some guys that I really want, but I'm going to match up with you on that one and therefore take Joel Embiid. Ooh, interesting. I thought you were going to go somewhere else, uh, but it's still a good bit. David, what I'm realizing here when I'm looking at these teams, it's like, Jesus Christ, there's so many goddamn good players. In the yeah. NBA. Uh, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are still on the board. Yes. And so is James Harden. I thought you were going to take Kevin Durant, and now I just kind of have to. <laughs> Fair enough. Because like you get the KD Curry chemistry, but I mean, you, you put KD, Giannis, and AD as your front court with Curry and the, as a guard, that seems good. Yeah. All right, you're up. Kevin Durant, I am crossing off my list. Uh, If I was building a team to play in the NBA, I would probably go a different way with this selection. However, I'm building a team for the All-Star game, and therefore I'm taking James Harden as my shooting guard, Mm. Max. I like it. I think that's a smart pick. Um, I mean, Kyrie and Harden, how are you guarding that? Uh, You're not. (laughs) It's the All-Star game, Max. There's no defense. No, it is. It is. So I... Uh, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. I'm gonna just going to try to play defense in this team. I guess my team's going to care. I'm going to take Kawhi Leonard. All right. And my uh, my game plan on this has, has worked out perfectly because I get left with my favorite player in the league, and that is Paul George as my starting small forward. Yeah, that's pretty nice. That's the thing. You really can't go wrong in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I need the ultimate sixth man, I feel like, on this team because I have my starters set up pretty well here, just like a super defense around Curry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take maybe per, I would say this is probably my favorite player in the league David my my uh, my guy to your Paul George it's, it's Damian Lillard very nice that means Kemba Walker's the only starter that hasn't been picked yet so he gets that unlucky honor on national TV Max and I'm not going to grab him just yet do you remember wait real quick do you remember who it was last year i think it might have been demar Derozan. but i can't remember i think it was yeah and like maybe horford and lamarcus aldridge were the last two chosen potentially (laughs) uh oh you can't go wrong here there's a lot of fun names oh the aussie in me really wants to pick ben simmons but i've still got a lot of ball dominant guys already i'm gonna go shooting i am gonna go bradley beal Mm, i like it Bradley Beal, uh, I, I, I meant to mention this earlier, why I wanted to have him as a lock. He's, I think since John Wall went down, I heard the stat, he's had like 35-5 and five or something like that. Whoa. Like, he's just been nuts. Absolutely. Hmm. All right, so you got Beal. Where am I going to go with this? I, I like your idea of getting like a role player sort of to go with your, with your stars. Come on, you want to go Luca Max? Come on. Uh, I uh, listen. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how long I can wait before you take it. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go kind of strange here. I, I have a lot of defense. I need a little more creation. I'm gonna go with Nikola Jokic. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I will see your Nikola Jokic and match you with a Carl Anthony Towns. Mm, that's a lot of talent you just got there that late. Oh man, it's just it's really hard at this point because all these players are good. It's just kind of like deciding what flavor you want. Pick the guy who takes the All Star game more seriously than anyone else. Yeah, that's also another thing. Are we? Yeah, are we in the context of the All Star game or just building a team? <laughs> yeah. So I have. You know what? I think this one's actually pretty easy for me. Although he didn't, he didn't play in the game last year because I think he was hungover. <laughs> uh, he fits my team culture here, my whole like defensive win thing. I'm, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. I nice. Think. I'm going to do what I just called out for you to do. Uh, if I'm down big in this all-star game, I can plug Russell Westbrook in as my sixth man, <laughs> and he can just uh, 
dunk on everyone. <laughs> if we're considering this just purely what an awesome game looks like, you probably should have been the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. You know what? I, I can only wait so long. Uh, this is an awesome game we're trying to entertain here. I'm, I'm going to take a look at Doncic. Nice. That leaves one player in the West in Rudy Gobert still on the board for anyone playing at home. I do think it's uh, it's worth it's worth mentioning that there's one player in the West left and six players in the East. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'm going to put him out of his misery. Kemba Walker needs to be on a team, Max. You know what? He should have gone earlier. We're just being douchebags. That's up to you now. I could use a little more ball handle and it fits my defensive mold. You know what? Let's go Victor Oladipo. Okay. Um, for those trying to follow along, we're looking at our notes. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Blake Griffin, Nikola Vucevic, Ben Simmons, and Pascal Siakam are left on the board. And I can't wait any longer on my guy. I am taking Ben Simmons. Yeah, fair enough. My only concern with him in this setting is there's so many stars. It's like he needs the ball to be effective. He's just going to come out and shoot threes. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> mm, man, this is getting tough now. Oh, oh also, before I, before I make a selection, David, we're, we're going to post these teams on, on Twitter and people vote who is the better team, right? We have to do that. We have to do that. I think we'll rattle off the starting fives when we get done here, but we'll, we'll post the yes. whole teams up for sure. Yes. Um, I am going to, I think it's just too much talent at this point. I'm taking Blake Griffin. Okay. I've got three choices here. Looking at my bench, I've got Beal, Cat, Russ, Walker, Simmons. I'm going to stick to that Russ theory. Surely Pascal Siakam's just want to come out and just, you know, destroy guys. So I'm going Pascal. Yeah, I like it. I, w- I wanted him. I'm, 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 I'm jealous that you have him. So that makes uh, Rudy Gobert and Vucevic our Al Horford and LaMarcus Aldridge last pick guys here. Who are you going, Max? I think for me, because you have Joel Embiid, I think like if he's kind of taking over the game, I counters throughout Rudy Gobert, right? I think I got to take him. Yeah. That's probably the only way Rudy sees any minutes mm-hmm. in this all-star Definitely game, is. Max. And that leaves me with Vucevic. So in the interest of keeping this moving, I've got Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Paul George, LeBron James, Joel Embiid as my uh, Team LeBron starters, Max. Who have you got? I am going to start Stephen Curry at point guard. And I'm going ultra-modern here, David. My shooting guard, I guess, is Kawhi Leonard. Yep. I am playing Durant. At small forward, Giannis at power forward, and, and Davis at center. But those are those are all kind of milled together. I tell you what, that's two fun starting fives. If if it ends up anywhere near like that, when the when the real teams get picked, I keep saying every year I'm not going to watch the All Star game, but I'd almost tune into that one for the individual matchups. I, I wish they would have nerds like us pick these teams because it'd be much more fun to watch the, what we come up with because they're just going to pick their friends and it'd be stupid. But those teams would actually be really fun and, and interesting to watch play. That's very true. So I'm going to finish this off for us with three quick questions for you, Max. I know it's yes. your turn for seven seconds or less, but I'm going to jump in before. So Miles Bridges, John Collins, mm-hmm. and Derek Jones Jr. have been picked so far for the dunk contest pick one of those guys or throw in a fourth that you want to see win the contest john collins is an interesting pick that's weird i did not really get to the dunk contest yep i mean like everybody else on twitter i'm excited for miles bridges mm-hmm. i think he's gonna be insane so I'll, I'll go with him i think he's gonna be awesome in the contest all right no one for the three comp yet but devin booker will be uh contesting it to keep his title. So yep. James Jones said he'll be there. That's one guy we know who's going to be in there. Here's a fun one for you. Going off actual three-point percentage, 
Here's a few names. I'm going to go all the way down to TJ Warren at 14th. Tell me if you think any of these guys are actually going to make the three-point competition. Okay. Darvis Bertans. No. Seth Curry. Oh, uh, no, no. Joe Harris. No. Stephen Curry, I believe, has already said he's never going to compete again. Fair enough. Buddy Heald. Yes, I can see him being in it. Danilo Gallinari. I actually can see that too, yeah. Derek Rose. No. Tobias Harris. Mm, it's Every year there's a weird play, people on it, maybe. Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, no. Marcus Morris. No, God, I hope not. Eat one more. No, no. Kyle Korver. Maybe. Nah, probably not. Malcolm Brogdon. Nah. And TJ Warren. Uh, I would like to see it, but I don't think so, no. That is your top 14 currently in three-point percentage. Yeah, that is a really weird list. <laughs> probably the only one I might disagree with you on is I could see Joe Harris for Brooklyn making it. He's shooting 47% on 219 attempts, so yeah, he might so. edge his way in. But yeah, bit of fun on that one. Buddy feels like, Buddy feels like gotta be in it, right? Buddy should definitely be in it. I definitely agree with you on that one. But last one for you here. I looked at the rookie game really quickly, which is World versus USA. Who you got out of these two teams? So for Team World, Luca, Aiton, Laurie, Markinen, SGA, and OG. Ananobi are all world eligible, Max. Pretty good team. And then for Team USA, using rookie and sophomore players, I put together Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Collins, your boy De'Aaron Fox, and Kevin Knox to round out the Team USA team. Man, I might actually have to watch this game this year. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, it is. It's, it's Team World, I think, just because of the star power of Luka and Aiton. But man... Holy cow, that, those are two really fun teams. Luca Aiton, Laurie, SGA is like... Yeah, that's nice. That's real nice. All right, seven seconds. Let's do it. Let's do it. Real quick, uh, before we get into it, I just wanted to point out that I should have said Zion for my, my fourth position in the uh, dunk contest. <laughs> All right, so seven seconds or less is the segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which the other has not prepared and only has seven seconds or less to answer. David, are you ready? Always. This is an eclectic mix of questions is how I describe it. So the first one... Someone on the Phoenix Suns, David, other than Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton, makes an all-star team next season. Who is it? Ooh. D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I like it. That's a fun one. Uh, I was more in the box. I said to Kelly Oubre for my answer for this one, just because I think that he has the Ooh. most potential to do it. I don't think it's going to happen or anything, but I see yeah. him doing it the most. Someone on the Phoenix Suns makes an all-defense first or second team next season, David. Who is it? Mikael Bridges. Yeah, that's pretty easy. The only other answer is Melton, I guess. I almost said other than Mikael or Melton, uh, but then it was impossible, <laughs> so I couldn't do that. All right, this one is not uh, Suns, David. This is general NBA. Which team that currently is not in the playoff mix in either conference will be the first team out of those teams to win a championship? Uh, I'm just looking at the standings, Max. I don't think it's going to be anyone in the East, even though I like a couple of those teams. I'm going to cheat a little bit again, and I'm going to say that potentially one of Minnesota, Dallas, Memphis, or Phoenix 
may luck into Zion Williamson, mm. and with their current core plus him, that automatically becomes the next contender, in my opinion. God, could you imagine? If, if Dallas gets Zion, then that's the obvious answer, I think. Yeah, I think anyone who gets him out of those, if we're going real bottom-level teams, yeah, true. I think that's the answer. I think that's right. Well, we're going to, a little bit of a plug, we'll have Kellen on, Kellen Olsen somewhat soon, we're going to have the Zion debate. And I very much agree with you that wherever Zion goes is going to be uh, a future contender. Yep. All right. So that's it for us, I think, David. Thanks, as always, to everyone. David, before I do the sign-up, do you want to give a few uh, shout-outs to some reviewers? Shout-out to Max Hodder, who reviewed us in Australia. Shout-out to Slowbub, who reviewed us in the U.S. That makes uh, 52 five-stars in the U.S., I believe, Max, and 12 five-stars in Australia. I'm going to shoot high here. Be good to get those up to 150 before the season is out. So we're going to keep telling people that we will give them shout-outs if they give us reviews. No matter what the review is, we're uh, very open to critical feedback as well. Uh, And a couple of games against Minnesota, Portland, and Denver for next week, Max. So uh, thanks to everyone who's made it this far down the pod. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. My only clarification there is we're very open to critical feedback as long as the review rating is five stars. And doesn't mention pronunciations. Yes, please don't mention pronunciations. Uh, but that's it for us. You can follow me at MaxMCC11 on Twitter. Follow David at The Four Point Play on Twitter. Follow our podcast at 7SOLPod on Twitter. As David mentioned, please review us. We very much appreciate that. Please subscribe because it helps us out. David, thank you for joining us. Thanks, everyone else, for joining us. 